Hello, and welcome to Pre-Published. I'm Sophia. This episode is called It Takes a Lot of Knocks. It took me 10 years, four unpublished novels and a screenplay before I wrote something that somebody wanted to publish. For Jasbinder Billan, things were a bit different. Asher and the Spirit Bird, which recently won the Costa Children's Book Award, was her first novel. Before that, like me, Jasbinder got her big break with the Times Chicken House Children's Fiction Competition. It was great to talk to her about her writing journey, why family are so important to her, and how one of the tips she picked up on her MA course helped her to build the story of Asher and the Spirit Bird. We recorded this episode in February 2020. Links to the resources we mentioned are listed in the show notes, so do look them up if you want to find out more. I hope you enjoy our conversation. Jasbinder, welcome to Prepublished. Hi, hi, Sophia. Thanks for having me. <laughs> it's lovely to have you here. And thank you so much for coming out from Bath. And I gather you're doing two podcasts today. Is that right? I am. Later on, I shall be going down the rabbit hole. <laughs> <laughs> so, dear listeners, you can listen out for that um, episode as well. I have so many questions for Jasmine. So I think we're just going to get stuck in. Um, I feel like we've got so much in common because... It turns out that we started out in publishing in exactly the same way. So it'd be interesting to compare experiences. Um, Was Asher and the Spirit Bird your first book? It was, yes. So it's my very first book that I wrote from the beginning to the end. And it was my first book that was published as well. What a rare experience that is. (laughs) How fantastic. So tell me about the writing experience that that you had beforehand. I it was one of those things where I'd always as a little girl I'd always loved writing and I used to do lots of kind of scribbly writing even before I could write proper words Um, and I think I kind of always saw myself as a writer and loved stories and my grandmother was the one that shared stories in our house and Mm -hmm. we always had lots and lots of stories maybe not so many books but lots and lots of stories so um growing up I loved it was a thing that I absolutely loved to do and it was almost kind of like a secret pleasure just sort of writing stories and I used to illustrate them so I used to take my um stories with little illustrations to this lady that lived at the end of our street called Auntie May Mm -hmm. and she was just lovely so she used to take in all my stories and so um, from kind of then you know I just always always wrote just poems little bits I was always really kind of interested in it Um, but I I never wrote anything particularly big until um, I stopped teaching so I'm a teacher as well I stopped teaching what age group do you teach I'm actually a secondary trained teacher, so nice. I, um, English is my subject. Mm-hmm. Um, but most recently I've been teaching in a special school, so that's kind of preschool up to post-16. Mm-hmm. And I, I now kind of teach anything and everything. <laughs> um, so I had a break from teaching and I did MA in creative writing at Bath Spa. And that's when I... That was the very first time that I showed anybody my writing. Mm -hmm. And that was a really big thing for me because I think everybody else that was on the course, or it kind of felt like that, um, had always had written something, had been in a writing group, had maybe been on a retreat. um, And it was always a bit of a a dream for me to maybe go on Arvon or, you know, kind of have some time. But somehow I could never carve out this time until I had quite a big birthday. And I decided that I would treat myself, this was my treat, 
to my little um, girl me who always had dreamt to be a writer Um, and so it was wonderful and it was for the first time I showed people my writing and um, and I started to write these kind of 1200 um, little sort of intros to stories that we did on on the creative writing was this a year-long course it was a year so I did it in um, I did it full-time over a year Mm. Um, and so that's where Asha started because um, part of the course you had to decide what your main story was going to be so kind of all the way through when you're doing these sort of shorter pieces that you kind of thinking well it might be that one it might be this one um, and in fact it was none of them because I, for Asha I didn't I didn't um, experiment with Asha in that way I just always sort of knew that I wanted to write this story because I, I went there with Asha's story in my head or my kind of grandmother's sort of um I'd like to think kind of maybe my grandmother on my shoulder you know so when it kind of came to thinking about the story that I would write which would be my novel um I I just knew that I wanted to write the story set in India um about my roots um inspired by my grandmother and was that where your grandmother grew up in in India yeah, so I was born um, close to the foothills of the Himalaya. Wow. Um, and we have a farm there. Mm-hmm. So um, as I was growing up, we always had lots and lots of stories. I was very young when we moved to the UK, mm-hmm. so I was a year and a half. Um, but I kind of felt, you know, my family kept India alive through these really funny stories you know we'd all kind of gather at the kitchen table my mom would be cooking big sort of meals and everybody would be it was really lovely time kind of sharing stories and they're always the same ones you know how it is in families it's like the same stories that kind of come up again and again maybe with like a a particular twist and the the story that they always used to tell was the one about Omar who was a, a wild monkey who kind of adopted us and it was always the story about how Omar you know she was part of the family and um she would take my little brother well my older brother when he was a baby take him off to the neem tree and kind of run up and um sit in the branches and rock him um and she you know wouldn't come down and she was a bit naughty I think but that was one of the stories that was always kind of told so um it was those stories that then I kind of thought of when I was writing Asha and did it come quite easily then this story I wouldn't say it was it wasn't easy but I think the sort of idea of the story I wanted to write um was easy because it was kind of there and I had an image of a little girl playing in the dust with water with a big mountain background um and I suppose I started to think what if I hadn't moved to the UK Mm -hmm. what if this was my granny um what what might happen to her in this environment? And as you know, Sophia, sort of when you're writing a children's book, you kind of really push to the extreme. So you want something exciting, something dangerous. Yes. So of course I thought, well, what could happen? You know, money's tight. It's going to, um, you know, maybe her dad has to go and work somewhere. Uh, maybe her mum has to borrow money to make ends meet. Maybe the creditors come. And and what if her granny's um, there in the, the spring? of a grandmother guiding her um and one of the other things that's really strong in asher is um this sort of idea of reincarnation Mm. and the idea that our ancestors um 
watch over us and that they guide us. And that was something that my grandmother talked to me a lot about when I was a little girl. And it was something that I found very comforting. Um, and she, so she said you know, that she would come back when she died and she would always be with me. And that was something that I really wanted for Asha. So in all of this um, danger and um, not very nice things happening to her, not very nice people, mm. I wanted her to have this really strong kind of self-confidence and um, and she gets it by believing in her ancestors and believing that her grandmother is there in the form of this Lamagaya, kind of guiding her on this really dangerous, dangerous journey um, through the Himalaya. You're so good at ratcheting up the tension. It's amazing. <laughs> From page one, I'm thinking, I have to know what happens because this is not going well. And uh, yes, and imagining all sorts of disasters that could be kind of down the road. Um, so I know you're going to do a little bit of a reading for me in a minute because I've I've asked you to. Um, and you're, you're kindly obliging me. Do you want to set up the story? Yes. Yeah, so um, her father's away working in the city of Zandapur, which is the other side of the Himalaya. And um, her mother, much to Asha's um, dismay, her mo- mother's solution for um, the creditors and and how they can go forward is that they could move to England because they haven't heard from her papa and she doesn't know what's happened to him they have no money so her mum's solution is that they're going to move to England which for Asher is just the worst worst thing that could ever be suggested because she's very much a nature loving girl she loves the farm she's got everything there that she needs apart from her papa Mm. um so it's this this kind of um real willful um thing that she's going to she's not going to move to england she's really angry with her mom and um she decides that if you know if her mom's not going to find out what's happened to him then it just falls to her and so she um she goes with her best friend Jeevan and they travel over the Himalaya to find out what's happened to her father and as I said before she's guided by the spirit of her grandmother um to help her great okay can we have a little bit from it sure so this um is the very first time that Asha sees her spirit bird or her nanniji that she thinks is in the form of Lamagaya. So this is what Ma's been planning. How can she even consider leaving Papa behind while he's working to keep us all alive? And what happens when he comes back and there's nobody here? With the letter still in my hand, I storm outside, gasping for fresh air. I stand against the house, staring wildly into the sky. My heart won't stop slamming against my ribs and my breathing is out of control. The stone wall is scorching with heat from the day and I lean against it. A single mottled toad shuffles out of the shadows and I kneel on the damp mud beside it, listening to its soulful croak. Way above, a half-moon appears through the burnished evening clouds, lighting up the wings of a circling Lamagaya, a bearded vulture, and for some reason it makes me think of Naniji, Ma's Ma, who died when I was six. Naniji believed the spirits of our loved ones lived on through animals, and she said that after she died she would come back to us and we should look out for her. I close my eyes and don't feel quite so jumpy. 
the memories of my nanny are tugging me back to earth. You were such a tiny thing when you came from your ma, bloodied and bawling, hardly bigger than my outstretched hand. You fought your way into the world on that stormy night, with the thunder thrashing onto the rooftops and lightning searing the skies. Your mountain green eyes shocked the whole village. You were the one chosen to carry forward the ancient name Asher. You were our hope, and I clasped you in my arms. When I open my eyes again, the Lamagaya has perched on the old well. It's about the size of a lamb, with dark bronze wings and a grey beak. Golden feathers cover its head and the rest of its body. It struts around the crumbling wall and begins pecking, as if it's looking for grains of wheat. Then it spreads its wings, which are far wider than my outstretched arms, and lands beside me, right there, on the ground. Even though its wings are now folded, the bird is colossal. They usually keep away from people, but I'm so close I can see each bright yellow scale on its legs and its grey ridged talons which it uses to scratch at the ground. The Lamagaya starts to make a clucking sound, as if it's trying to tell me something, and I stare into its dark flecked eyes, mesmerised. I feel a little heart patter of nerves, but lean even further forward, stretching my fingers towards its feathery wing. It hops away, perching back on the well, tilts its head to one side and lifts its wings. I wish you were my nanny G, I say my voice quivering. I need her so much. A grey feather, tinged with gold, floats down and lands by my foot. I stroke its silky softness and weave it into my plait. Perhaps I'll call you my spirit bird. It keeps looking at me, unfurls its powerful wings again, and this time rises into the grey-white sky, billowing dried shisham leaves into the air like dust. I can just imagine children getting so lost in this that they, you know, they have to be reminded to get up and eat and all of that kind of thing. I, my, that's got my favourite line in it, which is um, your mountain green eyes shocked the whole village. I adore that mountain green eyes. It's just gorgeous. <laughs> um, and I love that it, there's a real, it's set in a very contemporary world, I think, with contemporary problems of parents having to go away to work and, and the money lenders that you mentioned and that kind of thing. And yet this sense of mystery and magic and tradition. So I can I can see why why various people subsequently picked it up. Um, but I'm interested to know how how long did it take to write? Was it just over the course of the MA that you did it? Yeah, so um, it took me about six months. So I started mm-hmm. to write it in January and it was due to be... Um, sort of submitted in October so uh, that's when I did the first kind of draft well kind of reworked it but yeah 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 so um and six months. You're, you're, I'm always interested in people's writing process so when we were chatting earlier you mentioned um that one of your tutors helped you with a sort of structure idea what was yeah, that yeah so this was the lovely Steve Boak who teaches on the MA and one of the things that he said you could do as a, a a way to kind of guide you through because I'm not really a plotter I find plotting quite hard mm-hmm. um but he suggested you could write down um, maybe 30 things 
things that you wanted to have happen in your story. Um, and that's what I did for Asha. And it was great because I wrote down, because it's a quest story, mm. I could kind of write down all the exciting, dangerous things that I wanted to throw at my heroine. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, wrote down 30 things. And actually, I kind of stuck to them. And, and they formed a structure for me um, for the story. And it, it was, um, it was re- really, really worked well for me. That's a wonderful thing to bear in mind. <laughs> I shall add that to my list of things I tell future students about. So this was in the October, you submitted it to, to the MA, is that right? Yeah, so that was um, the end of my course. Um, and how did you hear about the Chicken House competition? Well, a part of the MA is publishing. And so they really kind of encourage you to look kind of into that world as well um so it was kind of always on my radar I I knew about it and um I kind of but I sort of felt that I wanted to um make sure it was kind of the best version of Mm -hmm. itself before I entered it so and that was in kind of 2017 that I entered and was was it the October of 2016 that you'd graduated well it was it was actually 2014 so yeah so um 2014 and then um I was kind of think about um it being really like 2015 because in in the um spring of that year we kind of have uh, a sort of a, a launch or we had a launch they they do a, an anthology launch mm-hmm. with extracts of everybody's work um and that's a kind of opportunity where you can meet your agent mm-hmm. or you know so there are lots of industry kind of specialists there and it's very exciting and you you kind of uh, go around I remember kind of going around with my little uh, shaky hand you know sort of going around to people asking them if it was kind of some you know trying to get my pitch in yes did you really, have your elevator pitch I had my elevator pitch but it never I could never really kind of do it that right. well I you know I don't think I could do elevator pitch um so there were lots of and so that was an opportunity for people to kind of see your work mm-hmm. um and I had lots of kind of interest there but I didn't have anybody that would kind of put their money where their mouth was sort yeah. of thing um and you know what it's like when um it's such a subjective thing as well so yeah I had kind of quite a few people ask to look at it um and all sorts of different suggestions about what what they kind of thought how they thought it might be better or mm-hmm. how they thought they might like it more. Um, and one, one of the things that somebody said was, uh, because it was originally written in past tense. Um, yeah. Yeah, and um, one of the things that somebody said was, um, had you ever thought about writing it in present tense? Mm-hmm. And so um, I thought, you know, immediately it makes the story much more um present yes um and so I spent a year editing sort of by myself then I sort of edited it for a year and changed um it from past to present tense and then um after that year and then and then I sort of entered it for the Times Chicken House um that was 2016 so yes sort of a year editing right and then you were you were shortlisted Yes, I was shortlisted. Oh my goodness. It was, it was, um, oh, it was so incredible because I didn't kind of, I, although I'd entered it, I didn't really think that it would be picked. You know, I just never really win things. So um, I was just shocked when Barry called me. I was picking my boys up in this kind of darkened car park. I still remember exactly where (laughs) I was when he called me. Yes, and I was thinking, 
oh, that's really weird. I've got a missed call from Western Superman. <laughs> who, who do I know over there? And, um, and then, yeah, so that was kind of, I was on the long list then. And, um, and that was just incredible. And you don't want to hope, do you, that it's, I didn't want to hope. Awful. That I, <laughs> it's actually awful. It seems horrible to say it, but it's so stressful. It's really, like your heart's kind of like going really thudded. Yeah. And, um, you know, I couldn't kind of hope that I might be shortlisted. I just kept thinking, well, this is great. It's so fantastic to be longlisted. And, of course, you know, you get the publicity as well, which is just fantastic. Um, and then... I suddenly I was shortlisted mm-hmm. um, and that was incredible as well. Um, you know, you feel like you're one step closer to getting this story out in the world because that's really, really what you want. And I wanted that so much. I don't think I've ever wanted anything quite so badly or yeah. kind of worked so hard on anything, um, you know, constantly kind of reworking it and changing it. I was the same. I always say it was, um, it's been through 32 versions by the time yes, I was I'd happy. Yes, i lost count, I think, <laughs> lost count. Yes, my experience was when I heard that I'd been shortlisted, I actually felt that was the moment that I felt I could be a professional writer. I don't know about you, but I just felt if it had, if it had made it over that bar, then even if it didn't make it further, maybe not this book, but maybe another book. But I just felt that that was a, a real validation of my writing. So actually that was a really big moment for me. But what was it like for you? Yes, I think I think that it was the same for me because I felt they had had so many entries that year and it's just a kind of real stamp of um confidence in your writing mm. and uh, I think up, up until then I was I you know because I'd been through um quite a lot with it, kind of rewriting it and making it sort of the sort of book that somebody might like to publish um and so it just it just um gave me that kind of confidence to think that yes it was a certain level and um and maybe it was a book that could be published and and just as you say or maybe not if not this one maybe another one but I was really really hoping that it would be this one because you had so much of your family invested in this one yes exactly and um it really you know I did kind of feel that I had my my grandmother my Margie sort of there rooting for me um and because she is really at the heart of that story it kind of felt I you know it was absolutely my dream that it it was published and and you know that it sort of subsequently did has done so well yes it it takes me back a little bit um not not in the same way exactly that yours did but um my main character in threads which was my book that uh that won the competition was was called noni n-o-n-i-e uh which was what i called my granny my Mm. mother's mother Mm. her name was joan and she decided she was in her 40s when i was born and she decided she was way too young to be called granny or anything like it and noni had been her nickname for herself um because her name was joan um and and so i always called her noni and i wanted to give my my narrator a name that was deeply deeply special to me so Mm. that I would always treasure her as I was writing and that worked really well and then I had a character called granny in the book but who was kind of based on my noni so I kind of had my granny on my shoulder in a way as I was writing it's interesting I think that first book is is kind of really special in that way and I think um sounds like you know the same as Asher it's of like a really a story that really comes from the heart Mm. um with with those kind of threads that are binding you to the people that you love yes and I think that's what makes it really special you know and that's 
you know what makes your book really special so as well. it's lovely when good things happen to it as they did so yes, you went absolutely. to the Savile Club I assume for a, a posh I meeting <laughs> I was I was just totally starstruck and I was just focusing more on the lovely lunch and kind of being there because it's such a an amazing place um so I, I was just sort of on cloud nine really I, you know I was kind of uh, really excited for the day but just still not really thinking that it was going to be me you know mm. I was just sort of going along for for the lunch and just sort of meet the other writers um so I was I was kind of you know I didn't want to kind of hope I didn't want to get my hopes up um so I sort of I didn't you know I kept my kind of tried to keep my expectations um in control I guess mm-hmm. yes don't we all yes yeah yeah uh, but you didn't need to because you won. <laughs> <laughs> I won, yes. It was amazing, yeah. And it came out the... F- I'm trying to think. How long did it take to come out? Because it came, no, it came out It was about 18 months, yes. Okay. Yeah, so, um, yeah, it sort of took about 18 months. Yeah. So was that another fairly serious edit that it had to go through once it hit Chicken House? I think what they kind of wanted to do was to sort of see, um, you know, sort of just make some suggestions Mm. Um, and one of the a couple of kind of things that I I thought you know that that were really really good ideas so um, the in the beginning we had I had the creditors and they're fairly faceless Mm -hmm. and so uh, we talked about the villain and the idea of the villain having a face Mm -hmm. and so Mina was created um, from kind of Kezia's suggestions Uh, so that was great that was a, a lovely kind of addition is that when um, Mina got her car she's the one with the red she's car she's the one with the red she? car yes yeah. so, the red yes, car yes I know it was great <laughs> yeah I really kind of quite enjoyed writing her um and it and it sort of um you know so she's there in the beginning and she's there at the end so I think it sort of tied the whole thing um together in terms of um having that kind of villain all the way through you know and you the reader knows that Mina's there you know she's got a red car she's there um the clock's ticking the valley's mm-hmm. coming um so that was kind of one of one of the things and also the other big addition was um the treasure at the end right. so there, there wasn't any kind of treasure um in my version it was you know she finds um we allowed to do spoilers ah that's mm. up to you <laughs> okay maybe i won't because if people are listening and they haven't read it then i, I know i sort of half did it there but, um yeah but they so, wanted it to be a real quest then yes yes uh-huh. so a real quest and um because i already had it, I, I think it was kind of the things that i already had in there mm. um that then were amplified or kind of um the spotlight was kind of shone on them and and we sort of looked at how they could be um more part of the story I think I love that. Uh, that's what a good editor does, isn't it? They they help you tell your story more, yes. As opposed to turning it into something else, but they find things within your story that you didn't quite know. I mean, you, me, writers don't quite know how to make the most of, and then and then just show us how to brighten the colours yes, a bit. I yeah, guess, yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, it can be it can be an exciting. I mean, painful to go through because you have to change something that you've perfected as much mm. as you possibly can. Mm. But um, but so rewarding when when you can take it up a notch. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Um, is there is there anything 
in the story, beyond it being an adventure and an evocation of your your granny and your family's sort of, you know, and that, that, that part of your family's history, was there anything else in it that you wanted readers to get out of it? Was there sort of a moral to the tale or anything that you were trying to tell? I think more than anything, I think it's um, about um, the readers just sort of seeing the importance of family, friendship and faith Mm -hmm. and not faith not in a kind of religious way but just kind of faith in yourself, believing in yourself Mm -hmm. and just having that kind of strength and um, a kind of like a fire, you know. And and I think as um, all the things that are going on in the world, I think children really need these stories of of hope. Um, And so that that was what I would really really like people to kind of take from it children to take from it um this kind of sense of self-confidence you know we can get through these things um and all the amazing things that our ancestors have done you know Mm -hmm. we are here and we will go forward um in that way that's brilliant i think so many good middle grade books have that at their heart sort of friendship and and finding yourself and faith in yourself those Mm. those things Mm. are um such sort of classic part of this this what this age group is is reading for um so it was edited what was your experience of publication how did that go was it thrilling was it terrifying was it incredibly boring were you off doing something else at the time (laughs) no absolutely not I was um it was all kind of geared up for the 7th of February which was my publication date last Mm -hmm. year and it was it was just so exciting um I think you know to have worked on it for such a long time to have had this wish to be a writer and to have this wish that um you know that this book would be published um was so kind of great and then to have it happen it felt unreal really Mm -hmm. um and it it was really exciting and the fact that I'm sure you experienced this the fact that it was the chicken house winner um it kind of comes in comes out in a real fanfare yes um which is lovely really really lovely lovely way to kind of have your book come out um so it had kind of lots of reviews in you know, the main papers. Yes. So, um, and it just sort of built, you know, it's just kind of built on, um, built sort of uh, gradually throughout the year. And it's been a really busy, exciting year where I've had to do things, you know, that I hadn't done before, kind of some things really scary, um, having to do lots of kind of radio um, things. And although I'm a teacher, you know, having to kind of, go and visit schools and stand up and talk about mm-hmm. myself and and to kind of reveal something about me and um and to share my book is quite a different thing to teaching them about I don't know other people's books other people's ideas yes it's quite a sort of performance that one does yes exactly exactly and um so I think you know it was it was it was just such a great learning curve and um and have you been to festivals and things yeah so I did festivals I did panel I've done panels Mm -hmm. so really it's probably the most exciting the most scary the most wonderful (laughs) yeah (laughs) and in the middle of all of that there was the Costa how exciting is that yes oh my goodness 
that was so exciting um yeah I didn't I didn't I couldn't believe it was me I had to once I got the kind of news I was um editing funnily enough and uh see this is what a writer does (laughs) folks when a writer hears news a writer is always working on the next book yes exactly and um I don't think I spoke when um, it was Jazz from Chicken House who kind of was on the phone. And and she told me, and I was just speechless. Mm. I don't think it's sunk in. And I, I had to go and take my dog Enzo for a walk. <laughs> <laughs> and I kind of, you know, it's one of those things where something really amazing's happened and it just sinks in and then you forget about it and then it sinks yes. in again. And it was just incredible. And I was so grateful because there are so many amazing books out there there are mm. such wonderful books and to be kind of picked was just immense it was awesome um so just really kind of grateful to the judges and every, everybody that you know has taken Asher to their heart in the way I would kind of hope they would say so. and have you been hearing from readers are you getting emails and things yeah so lots and lots of emails from um children mm-hmm um who've who've sort of um enjoyed it in schools and things like that or have kind of like read read it by themselves um and I think you know the things it it, what I kind of intended when I wrote it was for it to appeal to both boys and girls Mm -hmm. although obviously Asher is um my main kind of hero um Jeevan is equally as strong um and so um it's been lovely to kind of hear and see boys really engaged with it. And sorry, that's my front door going. <laughs> I'm receiving <laughs> many parcels. And, yes, girls uh, and boys. Yes, yeah, so Ooh, girls, lots of parcels. Girls and boys have really enjoyed it. And I did a um, I did a Skype call with a school up in Bradford um, the other week, and it was so exciting to see their little faces. And you know, we talked about what was our kind of best part of the book yeah and there's a there's a section where um Jeevan drives a tractor oh. kind of really fast and kind of, <laughs> they really love that and I really enjoyed putting that in because I thought wow that's like really nice for him to to do that and that is so funny because the thing that I'm always telling my my students is um child's eye view and also the children must drive the story I mean yeah. I got this from from my editor Bella Pearson because there was, there was a bit where I had had an adult kind of coming in and helping the kids out a bit too much and she said no they got to try the story so I, I I get my students to, to write an intro to a story where a child is physically driving something yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah I love the idea of driving a tractor that's great yeah um and it, it is special to hear directly from from the readers from the children themselves isn't it that's yeah that happens I find that's always my favorite part and also weird because every book that I write well clearly you too is deeply deeply personal and I feel it's almost as if they've been reading my diaries in a mm. way I just feel like we've connected on a level that I that other people who know me quite well haven't connected on because I haven't I haven't shared those thoughts with them so it feels really odd to me that me and this kid I've never met I'm never going to meet I have probably anyway have have connected like this and and it's thrilling to hear what they're what their reaction is I, yeah it's very special I think it's probably my favorite part actually. yes I think I think you know the main reason I wrote this book really is for children to be able to read it and share it and love it mm. and so and I, and, I, and I think you kind of show your vulnerability as well you know you kind of open your heart yeah. and you show your vulnerability to them and have you done anything to to celebrate the book being out I mean for example when when threads came out I bought myself a Barbie doll I've never had a Barbie doll when I was growing up but they um threads was all about fashion and they had these high fashion 
Barbie dolls. And I bought a Danielle Scutt one that lives in my shed. Um, so did you do anything kind of a bit self-indulgent like that? Um, I bought myself a nice dress for my <laughs> launch. <laughs> Good. Um, I know, I don't think I have really. Um, not, not, not especially kind of gifted myself something special for the book. Oh, wow. Here's my suggestion. <laughs> There's your chance. Um, so what are you working on at the moment? I'm working on book two and book two is called Tamarind and the Star of Ishtar mm. and it will be out in August this year and it is another story set in the Himalaya and it is another magical story. So I don't know if I'm kind of allowed to say very much more than that. <laughs> Sounds lovely. Different set of characters this time? Yes, yeah, so new characters. Um, there is another animal in there. I think we're going to have a cover reveal quite soon. Oh, okay. Which is, um, it's absolutely gorgeous, if I do say so. Um, uh, the, uh, uh, artist called H, Romanian artist called H, who mm -hmm. works with Helen White Studios. Yes, um, yes. She did some of my covers as well. <laughs> yeah, so um, she's going to do the cover again and it's just very very lovely very lovely okay well if it's revealed by the time this comes out which it might well be then i'll put a link in the show notes yes. so that people yeah, can be great. go and see um so i think we've kind of covered your <laughs> your journey and I, i'm really interested to to hear that actually it kind of started back in 2014 didn't it so what might yes. seem like an overnight success has actually been many years in the preparation hasn't it yes absolutely and i think you know it can sometimes feel especially kind of in social media twitter age it can really kind of feel like um you know, it's always happening to somebody else, you know, kind of like in in in, in the voice of this kind of character, <laughs> stompy character, you know, it's always somebody else. Um, but actually, um, it's taken a long time, if, if you kind of imagine. I started the MA in 2013, mm -hmm. um, sort of graduated 2015, and then just the kind of process. And I think it's really important to know that it takes time and it takes a lot of hard work and it also takes a lot of knocks. Um, you have to have a thick skin. It's really difficult when people say no. Um, and, you know, but I would I would say if you have a story that you'd really like to tell, that you feel passionate about, don't give up. You know, that is the the key thing. And there are many moments where I could have given up, mm -hmm. and um, but I didn't. And it is the the hardest I have worked, I would say. The really? hardest. And it, you've been a teacher. It is, it is, yes, definitely. Just I think it's just the kind of constant, you know, day after day after day, you've got this kind of big fifty five thousand word thing in front yes. of you. And uh, sometimes you can lose you can lose the will, you mm -hmm. know, because it's a lot of writing, it's a lot of words, a lot of chapters, kind of changing it. Um but it's just I think it's just really important to kind of keep going forward to have a, a nice community of writers around you has really helped me oh yes um, is that people from the MA who sort of carried on working together or yeah so I kind of I, I, I from from the MA kind of writing and there are lots of writers in Bath Bath is kind of like a bit of a hub of uh, lots and lots of great children's writers yes it is, isn't it? and everyone's so lovely so supportive um I have particular very small little group there are three of us mm -hmm. in a um 
we edit each other's work and look at each other's work and that's kind of invaluable because sometimes you can't see it yeah. yourself you're too close to it you just need to step back give it to somebody else that you trust um and get their kind of view on it so um yeah that's what i'd definitely recommend well i was going to ask you if you had tips for writers but you've just mentioned several really fantastic <laughs> ones so that that's fabulous um jasmine it's been so lovely to share this time with you and i'm so thrilled for the book thrilled for the story thrilled for asha congratulations and thanks for coming thank you thank you so much I'd like to thank Christopher Pett for editing and producing this episode of Pre-Published. You can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And if you've enjoyed this episode, please leave us a review. We'd love suggestions for future themes and guests too. You can also join us on Twitter at Pre-Pub Podcast and find me at my website, which is sophiabennett.com.